Welcome to our Monday morning chapel. We begin today with a brief responsive reading from the Book of Lamentations. I invite you to join me there. By the mercies of the Lord, we are not consumed, for his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. Scripture reading for our meditation this morning is taken from St. Paul's letter to the congregation in Ephesus, the fourth chapter, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you, but if you don't, I will look for you, I will find you, 
and I will kill you. Famous words from the movie Taken. Liam Neeson's great line. Starting with that movie, he has now been in 11 revenge movies. <laughs> People realized, Hollywood realized, this guy has something about him, and this happens every so often. My generation, it was Clint Eastwood. But every so often, there's a, an actor that just has that capacity to be able to express vengeance and revenge and uh, just latches on. Today, he's worth $145 million. You think that touches something in people, that idea of revenge? Revenge? Deep down inside of each one of us, there's something that we, we know when we've been wrong or when we see something really wrong out there in the world. And there's something inside of it that just appeals to that to just be the ones. We don't like to leave it to God. We'd like to see somebody else take care of it. We'd like, to, we'd like to see somebody in the system or even outside of the system. It doesn't matter. We just want to see somebody take care of that evil that's out there and get back. And I know I can be tempted to feel that way when someone does something wrong to me. And the, the more egregious the wrong is, the, the firmer that fire burns inside of us to want to get revenge, to get our pound of flesh from that person. And our culture... The culture we live in, they just fan the flames. That's exactly how you should respond, our culture says. That's exactly how you should think of things. If someone does something wrong to you, get them back. Get them back as bad as you can. TV shows find that their audiences love that as well. It taps into something deep down inside of us. Our sinful flesh is wired for revenge and, and forgiveness, forgiving someone fully and entirely, that, that's hard. That's not an easy thing for us to do. Our old Adam doesn't like to do that. And so there's a tendency inside of us to be attracted to this worldly way of looking at things through revenge. And especially if the crime committed against you rises to such a high level then we really feel justified. Then we feel that, that and in fact, even if, even if somehow something has happened to take care of that, or even if we, for a brief moment, forgave the person, but to think back on it again, to relive it, we feel right again. We, we feel right to kind of go back to that, that sense of vengeance against the person, because they deserve it. Now, why does St. Paul have to write about issues of forgiveness and being tender-hearted and forgiving one another and being kind? Why does he have to write that to Christian people? These are the very people who at the beginning of the letter he calls them saints. They're holy ones in the eyes of God. They're believers in Christ and he writes about their love for the gospel and things and then he has to tell them, try to be this way, to work on this. Why does St. Why does Paul have to remind us Christians to, to be like this? Well, because we still have our sinful nature. We drag it around like an old piece of luggage. And it, it just still wants to go back to how the world thinks. And it finds it hard for us to forgive at times. And the problem with this is that a lack of forgiveness and this desire to get revenge, all of that, brings with it a very corrosive nature to it. 
It's a corrosive thing for our faith. It can actually destroy a person's relationship to God. It can actually snuff out faith in Christ as our Savior. Years ago, I was a pastor of a church, and uh, there was a man in the church who asked me to go see his wife because she never wanted to come to church anymore. And when I went to interview her and, and talk to her about it, the real issue was she couldn't forgive her sister for something that happened 30 years earlier, 30 years ago. And it was kind of a minor thing, but she just couldn't let go of it. And I read to her from scripture about this, and she said, no, I just can't. And it had just killed her faith. She had just drifted away from wanting to hear God's word and take the sacrament. Listen to what Jesus warns us. He says, if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty, that's a pretty strong statement. If you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. You know, an, even an atheist can forgive someone. An atheist can forgive a friend or somebody that did something wrong to them or someone that breaks into their house or whatever. Maybe they can forgive somebody because they, um, they just want the peace of not worrying about the situation again. So you can forgive somebody apart from being a Christian. But for those of us who know Christ and are connected to him by faith, it's a must. It's something so important because it reflects something that's so essential in our relationship to God himself. Notice that St. Paul connects what's going on in your heart and mind about another person to what happens on the cross. Listen again. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So he connects you back what happened 2,000 years ago outside of Jerusalem where your Lord shed his blood and he now says, make a connection between that event and this situation in your life where you're dealing with somebody that you're very upset with. Knowing that our guilt might rise up and choke us again over things that we've done wrong against other people and against God especially, knowing that God has given us a very special sacred meal, the Lord's Supper, where we come and receive his forgiveness over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in our lives as Christians. How, how many more times does God need to let you know that he has forgiven you because of what Christ has done? The early church celebrated the Lord's Supper every week because it was such a precious feast to, to feast on God's grace and mercy toward them. And so this is, this is what Christianity is around. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. The very Lord Jesus who paid for all of your guilt before God so you could come to heaven someday and has washed you clean, he says about those who believe in him, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the same forgiving grace and juice that flows from him to us that we receive in the sacraments and through the ministry and God's word is supposed to also go down into the branches and produce the good works, the fruits in our lives of forgiving others as well. So the, the gospel heart of God toward you is the very thing that God wants to use to motivate you to let go of the sins of others against you. Martin Luther called this, in the large catechism, he called this forgiveness when Christians forgive others. 
He called it a token reminder of God's grace. So here's what's interesting about the gospel. The gospel not only takes you and me when we hear about what our Savior has done so we can go to heaven. The gospel not only takes you and me and lifts us up and makes us saints equal with Christ to be led into heaven. And at the same time, it humbles us to go back into our lives and lowers us down to realize when we look at other people that have harmed us, to be able to say, you know, I've done stuff to other people too. And God has been so gracious to forgive me a much, much greater debt than the one that's in front of me right now. So the gospel produces not only this amazing, uplifting thing, but it also produces a humility in us that lowers us down to our fellow man to forgive as well. There's a, a uh, Swiss pastor by the name of John Lavater who says this, He who has not forgiven an enemy has never yet tasted one of the most sublime enjoyments of life. Um, years ago, I had a lady that called me back on, in an afternoon on a Sunday. I had preached a sermon about forgiveness, and she called me about three hours later. She said, I just want to thank you. I feel so good. I said, why? She said, I, I was uh, holding a grudge against a friend. We had had a fight years ago, 20-some years ago. I finally called her and told her I forgive her, and we're going to now go see each other again, and everything is back to peace. There's a peace that not only comes from God to us, but when that goes out into our lives to other people, it produces a peace inside of us as well. It's a beautiful byproduct of the gospel. So today, if, if there's anybody in your life that you're kind of harboring some kind of feelings of resentment or vengeance against, bring it to the cross and just remember how God has been so gracious to you. Amen. Let us rise. Today we keep in our prayers David Kloxim, the husband of Professor Tiffany Kloxim, who is uh, still hospitalized with COVID and also the, uh, those who are suffering under the hurricane in New Orleans. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace on behalf of your child, David. We pray that you would be with him and his family through these difficult days. Grant ability to those who now provide him with medical care so that if it is your will, he can be restored once again. We also pray for the many victims uh, who have now fallen. Pray to the, the difficult hurricane that is hit in New Orleans. We ask that you would be with them and grant safety to those who now provide them with care as well and uh, comfort those who have lost life. May all of this cause us to turn our hearts toward you in true repentance as we look forward to the home you've given us in Christ our Lord. We ask this in his name. Amen. Let us join then in on page 161 in the front part of the hymn book, page 161, prayer number 106. Page 161, and let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have made us heirs of your eternal and great promises. Increase in us daily the gifts of faith, hope, and love that we may love all that you command. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace.